Yes, positive prayer. Yes, positive affirmations. Yes, it's got to be that tension of this is what I'm calling in. This is what I'm moving forward with. And at the same time, integrating the trauma, integrating the pain. And so while we live most of our lives envisioning that which we want to create, if we're not spending time 20 minutes a day, five minutes a day, whatever it is, a couple times a week, to lay down or sit down and breathe with that which still hurts, that which we don't want to feel, we're not integrating the past so that we can have energy to create the future. We're just running. And we're going to have many roadblocks unless we can really meet that which is and learn to love it and be with it. Prophecies have foretold, and wisdom keepers all know, that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast, we are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity, so we can emerge as leaders, creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts, and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Welcome, sisters, to another episode of the Global Sisterhood podcast, The Time of the Feminine. It is such an honor to be with you all today and to hold this space for a conversation about the dark goddess. So this is something that Lauren and I have frequent conversations about, and we don't always use the words dark goddess, but talking about the shadow, talking about the underworld, talking about you know, the more difficult aspects of ourselves to feel or to see. This is a conversation that we're constantly in. And it's because facing these things, facing these parts of ourselves is a way to better understand who we are. And so through this practice of understanding who we are, we feel more wholeness, we feel more integrated, and we're able to live more abundantly in our bodies without fear, without shame, without doubt. And so because in the Northern Hemisphere, we are descending into the fall period, this time of rest, and this time of going inside of ourselves, we thought it was the perfect opportunity to explore this conversation and to help our listeners understand why and maybe connect with some of you that already understand about the importance of this work. And so, hi, Lauren. Excited to be here with you today. Hi, Shayna. Hi, everyone. So nice to be here with just the two of us to talk to you about really shadow work, which is huge in the collective right now. It's, you know, everybody has heard about the term shadow work now. And so we're going to get into how we integrate the things that we avoid, we reject, we're afraid of, maybe even the ancestral pains that are so much to bear and how we can call upon the dark goddess to help us uh, face these things and really reveal more of our light. So let's just start off with this Carl Jung quote, which I really love. 
And it's talking about the unconscious, but he's like, until you make the unconscious conscious, it rules your life and you'll call it fate. And so it's just this idea that until we really go inside of ourselves and see the parts of ourselves that we don't want to see, these things can be in charge and can dominate a lot of our lives. And so today's conversation will hopefully reveal parts of our collective consciousness and perhaps through examples that Lauren and I have, it will help reveal something that maybe would have been unconscious so we can collectively come together into this more conscious conversation about all of this. To start off, I know that Lauren, I mean, Lauren is very experienced in shadow work herself. But this idea, this conversation on the dark goddess, there's actually like archetypal representation of this work through goddess mythology. And since most of the feminine archetypes and mythology is not so prominent in our school teachings and what we learn as women, I thought that Lauren could share the story of Inanna to kind of demonstrate what this descent is like. Sure. So... Let's begin with actually speaking a little bit about the shadow and what happens when we are disconnected from the subconscious realms and the pain and the anger and the shame and all of these things that we can hold and we have held generationally for women as the feminine has been exalted in our light qualities and shamed for her her rage and for her fear and for these other elements that haven't had a place in society. The shadow, the parts of ourselves that we have rejected or that other people have rejected in us or in society, when we don't meet that, it is shoved into like a drawer, like a a metaphor I once heard. It's like a, a sandwich that you leave in your drawer at work. And it's just a sandwich It can actually provide nourishment, but you leave it there for so long that it becomes moldy and it turns into this other scary thing. So when we encounter our shadow, that which we have been avoiding, it can feel super intense, super scary. But when we can really meet it and we can look at it and we can converse with it and we can find and access love for it, it transforms into that nourishment once again. And so let's just begin with that. And I want to invite anybody who is listening to this now, what have you been running from? What have you been avoiding inside of yourself? For me, one of the things that has been hard for me to look at throughout my life has been my vanity. My vanity has been a huge shadow. I'm like, oh no, I don't, I don't want to be vain. I don't want to be seen as vain. I don't want to be seen as self-centered. I don't want to be seen as someone who desires to be so loved and so liked, right? So what happens when I push that urge I have down to be beautiful or to be loved or to be adored is that it can come out in weird ways. It can come out through me judging myself in the mirror, and it can also come out in this sense of insecurity I have around people who I think are 
cooler than me or more put together than me. And so I can feel insignificant or insecure and then internalize that and also judge the other people for being so into themselves or so cool or so hip or thinking they're so special. I've talked sometimes about my judgment I have for performative spirituality and this kind of culture around showing how awake you are or how you know, much you represent the goddess. I've had judgment of that because sometimes I see that and there's a part of me that's like, oh, I want to be that too. I want to be seen like that too. And therefore I judge. One aspect is, is an intelligent. It's like, actually, no, that's, that's not where I want to be. I don't want to be in performance. That, that feels like wisdom. But then there's another part of me that if I don't integrate, there are parts of my natural capacity to be big and to be beautiful that I shut down. So this is just like an example that's top of mind because I went to an event yesterday that was like, oh, this is that culture. Oh, I'm I'm feeling like not like I'm going to be accepted or seen and valued here. And so I judge myself quietly and then I find reasons to judge others. And so this is an example of a shadow a shadow that I haven't fully integrated, even though I've been working on it for a long time. I have a question around this. I do think that every time someone feels judgment, that is a way of seeing your shadow. I do. I, I feel like our judgments towards others have two parts. I feel like there can be wisdom in our judgments, discernment of how we want to live our lives. But I also think that if it's a large visceral trigger, right, that it's pointing to something inside of ourselves, it might not be as obvious of what we think we're judging, but I do believe it's an opportunity to find something unconscious that we're either denying in ourselves, judging in ourselves, or we feel inadequate with. Mm-hmm. I heard recently that judgment is actually like underlying anger. It is. And so, internalized yeah, anger. Internalized anger, right. Something mm-hmm. oppressed that's now like bubbling up as this like fiery anger and then it gets projected. And I think that bubbling up is a really important mechanism. Mm-hmm. Our triggers come up because they want to be integrated. They want to be healed. Mm-hmm. Though we're not taught that as women and we're not taught that as men. We're, as Juanita has said, we live in an emotionally immature culture because we're not initiated and we're not taught how to wield our emotions or understand our emotions. And so this kind of shadow work is... Or to see them as teachers. Yeah. We feel like we're supposed to override them. Right. Or they're not good. Shut them down. Right. right. And I feel I can feel so insecure at times when I'm having a really difficult experience because I want to be seen as someone who is loving and, and compassionate Happy. towards myself and others. I know. And there's some kind of like at times I've experienced feeling shut down or not well. And I've been around people that couldn't understand me in that space. And so then I learned, oh, just suck it up and 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 be better. And so the internal dialogue can be like, why are you going through this right now? Like get better. Everything's good. Have love all is well. And so I can make myself wrong for that versus trust the intelligence that is happening in my body, Mm -hmm. not necessarily trust the thoughts that I'm having about other people, but to trust the energy and to slow down, give myself the dignity and give myself the respect and the space to feel what's happening and to listen. 
And that right there, that moment of listening, getting out of the story, pulling back your energy and focusing on you, or in this case on me, and really feeling that emotion, that is the descent, right? We speak in, you see on social media now, the feminine is not about rising, it's about descending. I think it's about both personally, but the descending, I believe, the more you can descend, the more you can be with what's happening in your body and then shift that to what you want as well. Like it's a both, it's like a descending and a rising. The deeper you go inside yourself, the higher you can rise. So now please tell us a story of Inanna. our dear sister Inanna. So Inanna is a Mesopotamian goddess and I'm no expert in her mythology, but I do love her story. So Inanna was known as the great goddess and queen of heaven from her realm in the sky to earth and down into the underworld. And the story goes that she went down into the underworld to encounter her sister. And this sister is symbolism of uh, another aspect of herself. And as she knew that she was going to descend into the underworld, she realized that there's dangers in descending into the underworld. Just like when we descend into our deep emotions, it can become so overwhelming. We can lose our orientation. So she asked her friend to wait three days. And if she's not back to come and get her. And so the symbolism here of the friend in my perspective is a spiritual guide, a companion, God, creator, an ancestor, someone who can walk with you and share light and help pull you out of the depths. And so when Anana knew she was going to make her descent, she was in her finest clothes. She was wearing the crown of heaven on her head, beads around her neck, her breastplate, a golden ring, and she carried her scepter, her rod of power. And as she goes into her trance to descend deep, deep, deep into the underworld, she encounters the first gate that she must cross through. She begins her descent into the underworld. At the first gate, Inanna knocks and the gatekeeper asks, who are you and why have you come? She replies, my name is Inanna, queen of heaven and earth. Please let me in. I have come to see what I have not yet seen to experience what I have not yet experienced and to learn what I have not yet known. And to allow entrance, the gatekeeper asks her to relinquish her royal crown and only then will he open the gate. Giving up her crown feels like giving away a bit of her power. Her crown is a symbol of her hard earned royalty, power and influence. But in the underworld, she holds no royalty power influence. She gives it up reluctantly and goes to the next gate. And at the second gate, Inanna stands tall and she knocks. Hello, my name is Inanna, queen of heaven and earth. I have come to see what I have not yet seen, to experience what I have not yet experienced and to learn what I have not yet known. And at this gate, she is asked to give up her bracelet. And again, she agrees. And this happens at each gate. She gives up a little bit more of her identity, something that she has clung to in order to descend, in order to learn, in order to see, in order to know. 
And by the time she gets to the last gate, she says, hi, my name is Inanna, and I can hardly remember what I came here for. And without being asked, she's robbed of her breastplate. She screams out, her heart now exposed, because she is vulnerable without it. And she spends a moment wondering if she should continue. And as she descends further, the walls of the labyrinth are closing in and her cloak is dragging and catching on the uneven sludgy ground. She begins to crawl on her hands and knees, cutting up her legs, her palms of her hands. And this journey was hard, harder than she could expect. And she couldn't even remember why she descended. What is the point of all of this? And then when she gets to the final gate, she meets her sister, the queen of the underworld. Her sister sits regally on her throne and looks down at Inanna with the eye of death. And in that moment, Inanna dies. So this is symbolism of her ego, her ego identity dying as she encounters this other aspect of self. And then she is rescued by her guide, her friend who she asked to come into the underworld and retrieve her if she's not back within three days. And so in this moment, Inanna comes back to life and her sister retreats further into the darkness. And just as Inanna turns to leave, the guards of the underworld stop her. She learns that she has to leave something behind in order to rise. And so that's when she makes her offering. And each of our offerings to this dark sister, this dark goddess within is different. It might be our vanity. It might be something we're attached to. It might be our pride, but only then could she rise from the underworld and truly regain her power as queen of heaven and earth. So this myth is symbolic of our descent inward to meet our shadows, to meet the dark goddess within. The dark goddess is ruthlessly loving. She demands that we live our best lives and all of our pain, all of our ego, all of our attachments, all of the things that maybe we can't even see that are causing our suffering, we offer to her in order to rise. This story reminds me that if I want to be everything that I am meant to be, I must turn and look towards the things that scare me and risk getting lost in them, meaning having to feel them, having to navigate the storm of my own emotions in order to find love and surrender and forgiveness for what I feel inside so that I can be in my full power. So I love hearing this story of Anana because in so many ways, the truth is, is that we can't actually descend unless we offer. And this is like a spiritual teaching that is found almost everywhere I look. It's found in the yoga traditions. It's found in the deep forests of the Amazon. But in order to truly receive, we have to give something up. We have to make space within ourselves. We have to empty ourselves. And so the path of meeting these deeper and darker parts of ourselves will not 
come through this constant filling. It's actually a process of letting go. And in that letting go, in that process of offering these these parts of yourself that have been filling you, so it could be shame, judgment, like doubt, but what is that creating inside of you? You know, to truly humble yourself, you have to let those things go to truly see. And so this story of Anana is really about each woman. You know, Maureen Murdoch talks about the heroine's journey and the bottom of the chart that she describes as a heroine's journey is the descent. And so this descent is actually probable in most of our lives. And it might happen in a way that we we weren't ready or we weren't able to really see it coming. It might happen through a death of a loved one or through something traumatic that happens in our lives. The descent is inevitable. And so if we become comfortable in this dark realm, if we become comfortable feeling our emotions, it's not to say that these events will be easier, but we will have the tools and the capacity to be able to hold space for ourselves primarily. And so this is this is why Lauren and I teach about the dark goddess. It's why we lead women through different curriculums and teachings around this descent process, around looking at the shadow. So we can truly meet and know ourselves in a deeper way. And then also learn how to give things up, learn how to really truly let things go within ourselves so that we can see. And letting go to me has always been a great mystery because I'm like, how do I not let this go yet? I've seen this, I've done the work, and I'm sure many of you can relate to this feeling. And for me, letting go, at times I've mistaken that with rejecting, being like, no, I'm not holding on to this anymore. What I'm noticing in the descent, it's like an allowing. It's like a sinking into, breathing into versus running from, distracting from, even obsessively affirming positive affirmations away from. Yes, positive prayer. Yes, positive affirmations. Yes, it's got to be that tension of this is what I'm calling in. This is what I'm moving forward with. And at the same time, integrating the trauma, integrating the pain. And so while we live most of our lives envisioning that which we want to create, if we're not spending time 20 minutes a day, five minutes a day, whatever it is, a couple times a week to lay down or sit down and breathe with that which still hurts, that which we don't want to feel, we're not integrating the past so that we can have energy to create the future. We're just running and we're going to have many roadblocks unless we can really meet that which is and learn to love it and be with it. And in my journey of letting go, there are these moments where I have these huge releases and these huge shifts. Those do exist. But mostly for the real lasting change, it's incremental for me. I slowly change the way I relate to the pain. I slowly change the way I relate to myself through spending time being with my underworld, all of the things that are hard to feel. I slowly start having less resistance to them and therefore they're less intense and I can be with them in a more loving way. And that creates the space and energy for my rise, 
for my manifestation, for my capacity to create. Yeah, it's almost like letting go often is firstly bringing it closer, you know, bringing it in for this acceptance. I just had a friend telling me that she was doing uh, these like attachment meditations every day to clear herself of this partner that she was no longer wanting to have in her space. And it wasn't working. But it's sometimes the rejection of like, I don't want to feel this feeling. So maybe if I do an attachment meditation three times a day, it will somehow release me from feeling this. But the reality is to feel is to release. And so it's only through the feeling, through the acceptance, through the care and love of that thing that you ultimately don't want to feel is what will free you from having to feel it anymore, you know, like continuing day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. And we'll bring awareness to what is actually underneath that feeling. Maybe it's rage, maybe it's grief, but there's usually something deeper than the feeling itself. Usually the feeling has a whole story to tell you and it's not through words. It can be, but often it's a sense that we don't practice enough, I feel, in our common society, but just to allow ourselves to be in the surrendered feeling of our body. And so... The teachings of the dark goddess are about this, are about embracing these parts of ourselves that are ultimately difficult. You know, they, we were not taught that these difficult feelings were okay. We were taught that, no, you can't, you can't have these dark, deep feelings. Why don't you take medication? Why don't you busy yourself? Why don't you distract yourself? And so we learned you know, to numb. And I, I want to angle this conversation, Lauren, towards this very interesting conversation that Carissa Schumacher had with another sister on a podcast. She was talking about the feminine and how in modern feminine culture and modern feminine movements, everyone talks about how, how the feminine's been oppressed for so long and da, 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 and it's now reemerging. And this is something Lauren and I have said many times, but her caveat to this point was, no, the feminine hasn't been oppressed the dark feminine has been oppressed because the light feminine, the caring, the nurturing, the beautiful one has actually been put on the pedestal. And that's the one that's been able to express herself for a long time. But the dark feminine, that is something that hasn't been able to express. And so I want to yeah, ask you, Lauren, about the, your feelings around this and how we can kind of bring that back. I'd love to talk about that. Well, first, what's just top of mind is based on what you were saying before that, Shana, about the allowing and the surrendering into the feeling. This is where I think it's really important to remember that Inanna did not descend without her friend. So calling again when we descend a healed and welled ancestor, a spiritual guide, your spiritual connection to be your light in the darkness and your key back to yourself. Because it is true that we can completely get lost in the amount of pain that we've suppressed. And then if we're talking about going into the collective field of what women have suppressed, holy moly, that's intense. That is so intense to feel. And we haven't learned how to even be comfortable in many ways around angry women. 
women expressing their rage, women expressing their fire, women expressing their grief, it can be uncomfortable. And it can be uncomfortable when we're in that position. And so again, there's so much to feel. You don't have to feel it all in one, one journey. It's not required of you. It's not required of you to heal, to just go into a year, three, four year long period of feeling the depths and swirling in it. You can have your lights, you can have the guides, you can have your community guide you and hold you, your helpers. And if each one of us can be more proficient in accepting those aspects of ourselves, we're not going to burst as much onto one another, onto our partners, onto our children. We're not going to unleash on them. And we're not going to then unleash on ourselves. So if you're not unleashing or bursting every once in a while, it's very possible that you're shutting your voice down, that you're maybe even creating sickness in your body or depression because you're not actually accessing that incredible vital energy of anger and letting it be felt and acknowledged and moved. And so the dark goddess, the dark aspect of the feminine Lilith, you know, she is needed in this time. And I think we're all getting to know her. I think we're all getting to know her inside of ourselves. I think we're seeing her in all of these different movements. Like I see her in the social justice movement. I see her in what's happening in Iran. I see her leading the way. And it's amazing. And the dark goddess is intense. She can take our pain, but we have to acknowledge her. We have to recognize that our anger, our pain, none of that is bad, but we do have qualities that we've learned to get by, to survive. As women, one of our shadows collectively to survive is manipulation. We're natural healers and wielder, uh, wielders of energy. And when we're not in our power, it's also, you know, very possible that we might manipulate. We might say something to someone here or twist a story a little bit here. I mean, we do this, especially when we're young girls. It's very common. Gossiping, all of this is the shadow of our suppressed power askewed trying to take care of ourselves, making sure that we have the love and the, and the things we need. And so the dark goddess is going to point out our shadows, the things, the mal, the maladaptations that we have learned to survive. The dark goddess is going to call these out in us too, so that we can be integrated with our light and dark. And I think, you know, healing is one of those words where our dear friend, Christian Curran, he's always asking me, what does it truly mean to be healed? Because this is like a never-ending journey. But I think for me, like the goal of wholeness, the goal of just like feeling good within my body and feeling comfortable, feeling these difficult feelings. And I know Lauren and I are like proficient. We definitely feel our feelings. But there's always more. You know, there's always more. It gets deeper and harder. And the feelings in some ways even become more intense. So it's all a study. And so in this study... We're offering an invitation to those of you that feel called to really learn and to be in sisterhood, to be in community in this descent into your own shadow, your own darkness, 
And so the invitation is a three-day portal called The Dark Goddess. And it's an invitation to really meet these archetypal figures that exist across the world. There's Ulakun in the Yoruban tradition who represents the dark waters. There's Kali Ma, who is the Hindu goddess of destruction, but also of bringing things to light. And um, there's different goddesses that we'll mention across the world. And so these goddesses will help you embody these parts of yourself that perhaps have been pushed aside so you can make that descent with a archetypal figure that will assist you in doing this journey so you can see your shadows. And then the end of this portal will be in sisterhood. It will be a way to really feel the light that is underneath that darkness, underneath that shadow. So you can integrate that into a whole picture of what was there for yourself. And this is something that we do in sisterhood. And we feel this is really important to do in community so we can build the tools, we can build that you know, that that power together to really meet and face these parts of ourselves that we've been rejecting or avoiding. And so we're really excited about this. It begins on November 11th. And so it will be over the course of a weekend so we could take time and nourish ourselves during this process. And then we'll come together on Sunday to integrate all of the things that come about. So please feel free to join. We'll have links in the show notes. Shana, yes. If you could channel the dark goddess, a message for all of us, what would she have you say? Well, first, I hear just like these deep bubbles coming up from like the center of the earth. I have risen. I am here. Please allow me to take you to places you have not seen so we can be together. And I can teach you my ways, my ancient ways of understanding the pain and the trauma and the abuse so we can create more harmony within ourselves. And from that fruit, I will teach you to birth a new way. And so it is. And so it is. Thank you, everyone, for going on this journey of this episode with us. And we hope to see you over the weekend to do this challenge together in sisterhood, to hold one another, to be each other's friends. As we descend, we heal, and we rise. Thank you for being a part of this community. We love you. Ciao. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Global Sisterhood, you can follow us on Instagram at the Global Sisterhood, or you can tune in to one of our programs. Just go to globalsisterhood.org. It is such a privilege and such an honor to speak with all these amazing women and to continue to speak with you. If you would like to join one of our circles or programs and dive in deeper and have these conversations yourself with us, we would love to invite you in deeper, sister. So just go to globalsisterhood.org to learn more. Okay, talk to you next time.